Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy you joined us today. We're in a series from the Gospel of John entitled, Behold Your God. Well, let's turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and of course that is in the New Testament. It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the Gospel of John. So you can find that there. We're talking about the King's Cross. You know, there are many kings in this world. Recently, ESPN College Game Day came to Memphis. There were literally thousands of people gathered on Bill Street on that cold Saturday morning a few weeks ago for ESPN College Game Day. But there were two kings there, not one but two. Jerry the King Lawler from wrestling fame and Lee Corso was dressed up as Elvis the King. And of course, uh, one thing I like about Lee Corso is he was an NCAA football coach and he promised to bring winning teams to Indiana and he kept his promise. He brought Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. You get the idea. Well, these were kings, uh, our kings in their own right, in their own world. But they're not the king we're talking about today. We're talking about the real king, our savior king, Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the king's cross. And when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. We have seen Christ arrested in Gethsemane, We will see him go to Gabbatha, the place of judgment, here in John 19, and even to Golgotha, the place of execution, his crucifixion, his death and burial, all here in John 19. Well, let's go to John 19, and let's read the first five verses. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns, and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! Here we see that Jesus was subjected to scourging, mocking, and beating. Scourging in and of itself, as portrayed, for example, in Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, it was a death sentence potentially just from scourging. It was a brutal torture. Following that, he was mocked by the soldiers as they put a crown of thorns upon him and on his bleeding body placed that purple robe. And they beat him. I wonder if that fragrant, aromatic anointing that he had received a few days earlier, you remember the one that Judas reacted to because he said, we could have sold that and gotten some money. Yeah, that anointing, you remember that one? I wonder if they could smell that fragrance as Jesus was crushed. And I'm here to tell you, even though I've never personally been a soldier, 
My father was a career soldier. My brother was a soldier. My son is a retired Marine, and I've been around soldiers most of my adult life. And I can tell you, nobody can mock you like young soldiers can mock you. Jesus was the target of all of this. And we see that Pilate brings him forth and, and he declares that he finds no, no fault, no, no reason to convict him. And Jesus comes forth wearing the crown of thorns and that purple robe. And Pilate says, Behold the man. Perhaps Pilate thought that this would be enough. We know from the other Gospels that his wife had sent a message to him that she had had a dream about Jesus Christ that night and that he should not involve himself in any way in condemning Jesus. So maybe Pilate was trying to get out of this. Then we see in verse 6, When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. You see, in the Roman and Greek world, they, they were not crazy like people are today. They were not atheists. They knew that there were gods. Now, he didn't know the true God, obviously, even though the true God is standing right before him. But they, they were not averse to thinking of gods, plural, and that those gods interacted with this human world and that sometimes there were God-men. All of this background certainly would have been within Pilate's thinking. And when he hears this, he thinks about all the reports. Say, so well, how do you know Pilate knew about Jesus? Hey, trust me. Pilate was the military governor of a very volatile area. I can assure you that he knew about the miracles of Jesus. He knew that Jesus had recently raised Lazarus from the dead, having been dead four days. Pilate would have, would have known all of this because he was a very able military governor. So when, when he hears that what's really bugging the Jewish leaders is that he because he made himself the son of God, that is, he proclaimed himself to be that, this rocked Pilate's world. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate saith unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee 
hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. By the way, archaeology is the Bible's best friend. Archaeologists just a few years ago discovered this very place called the pavement, and they discovered this bema, this judgment seat that Pilate sat upon. Recently, Coach Bobby Bowden and his sons and their families went for a tour of Israel. They were in Jerusalem. And one of his sons couldn't find his father in the tour crowd, and he started looking around for him. And there was Coach Bowden standing on this pavement. He had taken his socks and shoes off, and he was standing barefooted on this pavement. His son went over and said, Dad, what are you doing? And he said, I want my feet to stand in the same place where my Savior's feet were. Wow. Well, this very place has been discovered. You see, when people talk about the Bible being untrue or fictional, or just the writings of of men that has no relation to reality, they're wrong. And that's just one example of that. So Pilate has decided to basically look out for his own interest here, essentially. So let's go to verse 14. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Man, the politics of all of this and the sarcasm just drips from these words. In other words, they were turning everything around that they hated and using that on Pilate as leverage. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Now there are many Old Testament prophecies and many prophecies of Jesus that are fulfilled here. And one is that Jesus said he would be crucified. And we know from Psalm 22 that it is indeed the picture of crucifixion long before the Persians ever invented it. Hundreds of years before the Persians began to use crucifixion. And we see here that Jesus is going to die not by stoning, not by scourging or any other way, but he will be crucified. Prophecy is beginning to be fulfilled right here. Verse 17. And he bearing his cross 
went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Now here we see that Jesus has been moved from his betrayal in Gethsemane to the place of judgment at Gabbatha, the pavement, and now has carried his cross to Golgotha, the place of his crucifixion. There, as I mentioned, are so many prophecies that are being fulfilled here. And many of these that we see, I would would say, I haven't thought them all through, but I would say every one of these, he had no ability to control himself. You see, many people who object to the story of the Gospels and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ say, well, Jesus only tried to portray himself as the Messiah and he went about to fulfill prophecy so that people would think he was the Messiah. Well, hey, these are things he could not control. Now, let me give you a little homework. I can't do it all for you, right? (laughs) I want you to read Psalm 22, especially if you have a Jewish background. Read Psalm 22, And think about what you read right here in John 19. Or read Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant. And you will see that Isaiah predicted about 700 years before what would happen to Jesus right here in John 19. Or read in the book of Zechariah in chapter 12. And there are many other places, but let me show you, and I can't explain all of these, but let me show you some of the prophecies that are literally fulfilled right here that either Jesus predicted or were already predicted earlier in the Old Testament. The mocking and the beating, that was prophesied. And he had no power to get them to do that. It happened just like the Old Testament said it would. The death by crucifixion. What if Jesus was trying to fake all of this, but it turned out that he was killed by the scourging? Well, Jesus has said that he would be lifted up. That's They all knew that meant crucifixion. What about being crucified with transgressors, that is, uh, lawbreakers, He had no power to affect that, and yet he was crucified with two thieves. Think about that. And we'll see more as we go through this, but that's just a few. 
Now we see that this, when somebody was crucified, there had to be a charge. That is, what were they guilty of? The crucifixion was done not only to dispatch the criminal, but to also be a uh, <laughs> an object lesson, a cautionary tale to everyone else. Like, hey, don't do what this guy did, or you could be ended up end up being crucified as well. It was very effective, by the way. But the the charge that was put on the cross was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's all he was guilty of, <laughs> is he is who he is, and he was rejected by the Jewish leadership. And this sign, this charge, was written in three languages. Hebrew, the language of religion. Greek, the language of philosophy. And Latin, the language of government. And of course, the Jewish leaders protested this, but Pilate said, Hey, what I, what I wrote, I already wrote, and it's going to stay just like it is. So, so many things are happening here so that people will see who Jesus really is. Look at verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now, I have to confess something. For most of my life, and, and in fact, I, I think this just only became clear to me this week, and I've read and heard this hundreds of times, but the, the Old Testament prophecy was very specific. It didn't say that they'll just part my clothes. It said they will divide my clothes up, and for my, my, my cloak, my vesture, my outer you know, heavier garment, uh, they'll, they'll cast lots for that. So it's two different things. You follow me? And that's exactly what the soldiers did. And yet that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe even as long as a thousand years prior to this occurring. Jesus had no control over uh, you know, arranging for that to be done. This is fulfilled prophecy right here. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And I want to bring up something here. Jesus's brothers and sisters were not here. And there's another group of people not here. Do you know who I'm speaking about? Now, I don't know if they were watching at a distance. Maybe they were, but they're, they're certainly not named as being right here near the cross. Who, who am I talking about? The disciples. 
Now Judas is dead, and he's already gone to his own place, which is hell. And Jesus said that none of them were lost except Judas. And Judas is gone. There's no hope for Judas. But there is one disciple here, as we'll see in a minute. It's John, the writer of this gospel. He personally witnessed all of this. But that still doesn't answer the other question. So if there were 12 disciples, Judas is gone. We know there's 11 disciples. If John is here, okay, that accounts for one of them. Where are the other 10? Where is Peter? Where, where's Matthew and James and so forth? I, I don't want to think they didn't see this at all. I think they did, but they certainly were not nearby. They were not prominent. John didn't mention them. And I think Peter was ashamed and and all of them were thinking, yeah, we're probably next. And this is just uh, an amazing event here. How they had followed closely with him for three years of earthly ministry and and now they're, they're virtually nowhere to be found. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, that would be John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. It's touching to me that one of the last things Jesus did was to make sure that his mother, Mary, would be taken care of by John. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. And there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it up upon hyssop, put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished! And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In other words, he released his spirit. He died at the time and choosing that he chose. Say, well, so what? He was crucified. He was dying. You know that there are records among uh, ancient writers, uh, like the Romans, that, that when people were crucified, they would stay alive on the cross for days. There are even a few cases of people living for a few weeks. And Jesus says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I'm going to ask you a question. When, when he utters, and the word here in the Greek text is tetelestai, when he says it is finished, it is completed, what was finished? Did he mean that his life was over and that was it? No, my friends. Remember I told you when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. What was finished is everything that had to be done for you to be forgiven of your sin and become a child of God. And he did that for me too. 
Jesus died a sacrificial death, taking upon Himself the sin of the world, and He absorbed the full fury and wrath of a righteous God against that sin. He, though, was sinless, but He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And He did that so we could be forgiven and saved and receive eternal life and not have to suffer forever for our own sin in hell. When He was on the cross, you were on His mind. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. Now let's stop right there. Jesus says it is finished. Everything that had to be done for you to be saved has been done. Some people who object to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ will also try to get out of it by saying, well, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He only swooned. In fact, it's called the swoon theory. And he was taken from the cross, put in the grave, and in the grave he revived and presented himself alive again. Uh, that won't work. And the reason that won't work is, remember when the, the one thing we said a few times, I think, in this series, is the Romans knew how to do one thing pretty well, and that's kill people. I mean, if Rome decided you needed to be dead, they knew how to make that happen. And so once you were condemned to be crucified, that was there was no way out of that. The only the only way out is you would die. And guess who was charged with making sure that was a fact? Or they could end up being crucified, I guess. They would be in trouble. That would be the soldiers, right? The centurion and the detachment, the detail that was in charge of making sure Jesus was dead. So the Jewish religious leaders want to make sure that everything's nice and tidy so for their religious observances, so they don't want these crucified bodies on the cross, so they need to come down. So they say uh, to Pilate, hey, break their legs uh, so that they can be removed. Why did they say that? Well, think about it this way. If you're crucified, you basically die from suffocation eventually. Because you're, you're pushing yourself up to breathe. It's, it's a lengthy explanation, but just trust me on this. You're pushing up on your feet, which are, have nails, a nail through them, 
so that you can get in a position where you can take in air, right? Well, if you were still alive and somebody wanted you off the cross by sundown and they broke your legs, you couldn't push yourself up to breathe anymore and you would die pretty soon. So they did this to both of the the thieves crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. They did not break his legs. This must have been a new one on the Roman soldiers. They'd never seen this before. His legs were not broken. Well, you know that's prophesied that not a bone of his would be broken. That's prophesied in the Old Testament. And then it was prophesied that he would be pierced. Now, not only were his hands and his feet pierced, but to be sure he was dead and he would never leave the cross alive, they used that spear to to pierce his body right beneath the heart. And guess what happened? When they pierced his side, blood came out first and then water or what we we might term plasma. And I want you to know that it is a sure sign of death when your blood is separated now. Because when your heart is pumping, your plasma and blood are, are mixed, obviously. But when you have died, there begins very quickly to be a separation because the the red corpuscles are heavier than the white plasma. And so John was an eyewitness to this and he saw the blood and then the water come out. And this is a sign of certain death. Jesus was dead on the cross. And yet he died when he chose to die because his work had been completed. And John says in verse 35 about himself, remember he does, when he's speaking of himself, he doesn't name himself. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith truth, that ye might believe. John wants more than anything for the readers and hearers of the Gospel of John to come to a personal saving faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, that He is, in fact, God. Let's go to verse 36. For these things were done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of Him shall not be broken. And again, another Scripture saith, They shall look on Him whom they pierced, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Now Joseph is coming out very publicly as being a follower of Christ. He had been secretly one, but... Now, he didn't mind people knowing that he believed in Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night 
and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Now I looked this up, and I was shocked at what I found. A hundred pound weight of myrrh and aloes, aromatic, fragrant spices to bury Jesus with. This is about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. And if you were to put this in today's money, get ready for this, they brought between 150000 to $200,000 worth of these spices to anoint Jesus' body for burial. The, the Bible had already predicted that not only would Jesus be with trans, would be crucified with transgressors, which we mentioned, but that he would be with the rich in his death. Watch this. This, this is a funeral fit for a king, and Jesus is, in fact, the king. Then they took, then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, which was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. A few things that I want to point out here for you. This is a, a king's funeral, without a doubt. A very, very expensive funeral. You see, not only was there as maybe as much as $200,000 of spices in which to bury the Lord Jesus, but he was also buried in a rich man's tomb. That was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb that he had had carved out for himself and his family, no doubt. It had never been used. And so he gave that up to be to have Jesus buried there. I don't know what it cost to carve that tomb out of rock, but it was not cheap. So fulfilling prophecy in the Old Testament again, he's buried with the rich. And Jesus is buried. Now, one thing I want to get out of the way right now, because we're going to come next week in John 20 to the resurrection of Christ. Many people criticize all of this as being untrue or mistaken in some way. And so one of the, one of the crazy objections people give is that, well, when, when the uh, Marys went to the tomb, she went to the wrong tomb. All the Marys went to the wrong tomb. And then all the disciples went to the wrong tomb. And Joseph of Arimathea went to the wrong tomb. Don't you think that he knew where his own tomb was? And then the Jews, the Jewish leaders all went to the wrong tomb. 
They knew where the tomb was, the right one. And that the Romans, which had had a guard there, all went to the wrong tomb. And the tomb they buried Jesus in had a seal on it. There there was no way to mistake the tomb. And if Jesus had remained dead, then his body would still have been in the correct tomb, which was marked with the seal of Rome. But anyway, Joseph of Arimathea certainly would have known where his own tomb was, you know, that he had paid a lot of money to have carved out of rock. So Jesus is buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man. Nicodemus was as well. And so Jesus was not only died with the transgressors, but he was with the rich in his death. Remember that John wrote all of this, that we might come to believe in Jesus Christ. You might be a person right now who is coming to faith in Jesus. Maybe you have questions. You might need a little help there. I'm going to give you a phone number that you can call. 888-537-8720. One more time. If you would like to chat with someone about Jesus Christ, about becoming a Christian, you can call 888-537-8720. Call during normal business hours, Monday through Friday, and someone will speak with you about your spiritual questions. They can even provide you with information to help you search this out on your own, or to even grow in your new faith in Jesus Christ, even to help you find a good church where you are locally that you might fellowship with and worship Jesus with other believers. The main thing you don't want to do is to be like Pilate. Pilate had asked what, and he had asked where, but he failed to get the answer to the most important question about Jesus. Who are you? And John says in his gospel, Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, God himself come in human form to be our perfect sinless sacrifice that our sin could be paid for by what Jesus did on the cross and that by placing faith in him that he has risen from the dead and that he's coming again that we could have eternal life. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that this has been a a blessing to your life as we have talked about Jesus Christ and the king's cross. And remember, as we said, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Thank you for listening. Please let others know about our podcast, This Week in the Word. They can find it by just typing this in their phone or on their iPad or on their desktop or laptop, www.dredhill.com dot podbean dot com that's dr no period after that d r e d h i l l dot p o d 
B-E-A-N.com, DrEdHill.Podbean.com. If they want to make it immensely complicated, they can go search for me uh, on Apple or on Google Play and places like that. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you is my prayer.